Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, we're speaking with Roman Elizarov, who currently works on the Kotlin team and focusing his majority of time on coroutines. Hi, Roman, and welcome. Hello, hi. So I know that you've been working quite a bit on coroutines as well as some other things, but before we get into that, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Oh, I'm mostly worked in my life on various, you know, big enterprise systems. Uh, with uh, high reliability and lots of real-time requirements, processing large amounts of market data and stuff like that. Uh, I'm also, my original background is from competitive programming, various, you know, programming competitions and stuff like that. Okay, and you're involved a little bit in ICPC, right? Which is in line with this uh, competitive programming and competitions, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I, I was competing in the past uh, when I was a student, but now I'm involved as organizer for various ICPC events. Okay, and so now you're working at JetBrains on the Kotlin team, and particularly you're working on coroutines. So can you give us a quick bird's eye view in like one paragraph, what exactly a coroutine is? Uh, it's a easy and friendly way to write a synchronous code. That's uh, what about it. Okay, so it's about writing asynchronous code. Now, when I was looking a little bit into these coroutines, one of the things that often comes up is to differentiate somewhat concurrent programming from like uh, parallelism. Is, is coroutine something related to concurrency or is it about parallelism or is it just about asynchronous programming? What is it? Where does it fit into the picture there? Oh, I mean, it's it's really a very wide encompassing concept, especially the way it is implemented in Kotlin. Uh, for example, you can use them successfully uh, for a software that doesn't have any kind of parallelism, like completely single-threaded, uh, just uh, for processing complex data structures, generating sequence lazily. It's really, but on the other side, you can uh, use it in highly concurrent software uh, to make it more scalable. So you can do lots of potentially, you know, tens of thousands, millions uh, uh, concurrent uh, things together. Okay, so it kind of fits in um, a broader picture there. So focusing on asynchronous programming. Now, asynchronous programming isn't new. We've had it in various languages. My background is C Sharp. We've had async await there. On the Java side, there's been an adoption recently of a library called RxJava, which has some kind of a synchronous programming model to it, which actually came from C Sharp. So where does Kotlin's coroutines fit in here? How is it different to some of those things? Uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's different in Kotlin coroutines. It's, it's a very general feature in the language that allows you uh, to do uh, many things that would are baked into other languages as a first-class language feature. For example, async awaiting C-sharp, uh, you can have it in Kotlin uh, as a library. Uh, like, it's not baked into the language, but using Kotlin coroutines, you can define it. Uh, the same uh, is true about some other things like ghost-style channels and stuff like that. As uh, with respect to Rx, uh, and the popular singles programming style, coroutines, they're more 
less of a functional concept, they're more like imperative concepts. So in Eryxia, you like in uh, write in a functional style, you define your operations, uh, combine them together, and then at the end you execute this combination. With coroutines, it's more about direct style programming. Do this, then do that, uh, like expressing your what your software has to do directly as a sequence of steps. In one sense, you're saying that it's different to C-sharp in that in C-sharp, a single weight are actually keywords of the language, they're part of the language, whereas with coroutines in Kotlin, they're just library calls, right? So how is that actually implemented? Like what exactly does Kotlin bring them with coroutines? Are there any any additions to the language itself, any keywords or anything for coroutines? Yeah, there is one uh, key keyword, uh, uh, pun intended here, uh, for coroutines is actually suspend. Uh, that's that's how you mark uh, functions that uh, suspend the curtain execution. Uh, so, for example, await in C sharp is uh, a keyword uh, that uh, you know suspends whatever the code was doing, waits for the other sequence section to complete, then resumes the code. Uh, and in uh, Kotlin, uh, await is not a keyword. Instead, await is a suspend uh, function. It's called suspending function. It's a function marked with a suspend modifier that can uh, suspend the execution of coroutines. That's that's what lies at the heart of what the coroutines, suspending functions. Okay, so to understand better and taking a step back, coroutines is basically the idea of, you said, of suspendable computation, right? Okay, so suspendable computation. Give us a quick explanation of what exactly that means so that people that aren't familiar with that concept could kind of place themselves uh, for example you're you, you have some simple business process you do some stuff then you have to send email then you have, have to do some other stuff sending email is a long action uh, you know takes a while uh, so traditionally you would uh, in traditional centralized software you would block a thread while this email is being sent which is kind of wasteful. With suspendable computation, you instead of blocking a thread, you just suspend this computation. The whole uh, the state of this computation that you're doing gets uh, uh, gets stored in a heap while uh, you know all your threads, uh, everything d does w whatever else your software is doing. And then at a certain point, when email sent, your computation resumes, continue to next step. That's that, that's how it works. Traditionally, you would do this with callbacks. You invoke send email and pass a callback to it. Call me, call this callback when, you know, when, when I'm done. With coroutines, you don't need callbacks anymore. You just write it step by step, do this, then do that. Okay, and callbacks is something that you have in JavaScript. And I know that one of the issues that callback introduces is what they call the slanted or the tipped Christmas tree because Obviously, your program doesn't depend on a single callback, but a succession of these callbacks. So when you look at the code, it feels like you've got a Christmas tree pointing from left to right, you know, with all of these callbacks within callbacks within callbacks, right? And what you're saying is that coroutines eliminates this, right? It gives you kind of the same functionality, but without having these numerous callbacks chained one to each other. Is that correct? Yeah, it is also known as a callback hell. You know, if you Google that, you'll, you'll see a lot of really nice examples. But yeah, coroutines, that was one of the original design goals of coroutines and Kotlin is to solve this call by hell. Because without language support, you know, 
colleagues is uh, almost the only thing you can do. There are basically two things you can do. If, you, if your language does not support asynchronous communication natively, you can either do callbacks or you can uh, go higher level to some functional program like instead of, so you can define functionally your executions. But it's all, it's all has limits. Callbacks don't scale to very complex chains because of the callback scale. And, you know, functional styles also is great when you're, all you do is really like pipelining stuff, map filter, it's literally uh, this uh, nice, you know, functional sequence. But as soon as you launch, it becomes really complex. Lots of uh, intermediate variable you need to uh, access from inside of your chain to something that was known uh, somewhere at the beginning. That's where it becomes really complex. And with cartoons, and that's what you need in the language, uh, you, you, you can express your synchronous code just as you would have written a synchronous code, like the, the very same logic, but now we'll be able to execute asynchronously. Okay, so then from one side, you're getting rid of the callback hell, and from the other side, speaking of libraries such as RxJava, which tries to combat this asynchronous programming model by kind of pipelining all of these calls and having, you know, the, the calls acting as like an input stream that processes data. You're saying that what coroutines adds on top of this is that it kind of changes the programming model again, right? It goes back to playing a little bit with more the imperative line after line model and not having to depend on this pipelining of calls. Exactly. Keratins lets you write your asynchronous code in, in imperative style, just just like as you write like your typical business logic or whatever combinations you have to do. Okay. And so how you said that Kotlin doesn't have keywords for coroutines, similar to C sharp, where you have the async or await. And the await we we spoke about this being kind of like the suspension point. So how does Kotlin do this? I mean, if I don't have to, you said that there's a single keyword called suspend, but as a user, I never really use this suspend concept. Um, you, you can use or you cannot, it depends on your case. Uh, it's actually in Kotlin, it is very easy to write your own uh, suspending function. Uh, like for example, if you uh, say you're writing, you have this suspending function that sends email and you need uh, to define your own function that uh, does uh, composes this email nicely, then sends it. Uh, you know, you would also mark your function with a, a suspend modifier because it contains the invocation of send email inside. So th this your larger function will also ca can also suspend the the execution because it will be sending email. So when you write, uh, so you will be using actually this suspend modifier when you uh, start. Uh, making big chunks of logic in, uh, you know, a synchronous code. Okay, so then what is it that the library provides me uh, on top of this? If if I'm actually, if I can actually work with coroutines in Kotlin by having functions that I, you know, mark with the suspend keyword, what exactly are all of these libraries that you mentioned providing? So yeah, that's... Uh, the key point here is uh, you, you also have Kotlin standard library, but it has only very uh, low level constructs. So if you look at the standard library, you'll see like some things like 
uh, start coroutine and suspend coroutine. These are lowest level building block that uh, let you build something on top of coroutines. What, uh, for example, uh, there is additional Kotlin X coroutines library that has actually like C sharp style async and await in there. So if you used uh, to async style programs as it is done in C sharp and actually it was similar style to Python has it. It's also similar style to a uh, new version of JavaScript. Uh, now in Kotlin, that's a separate library that provides those async and await. So you can continue programming that style. Uh, there's also some other nice primitives like uh, Go style channels that it lets you, you know, express the whole sequences of asynchronous and elements and combine, you know, pipelines of computations around that. I see. So we've got the core, very low level stuff that is being provided by the standard library. And then as part of the Kotlin X coroutines library, which I'll leave a link to the show notes, we are providing kind of like another a layer of abstraction there to make it uh, deal with the tedious, the normal things that you would work with when you're writing a synchronous code, right? Yeah, because it's it's like the many styles. Look, for example, uh, in a synchronous world, uh, there is a very common pattern of uh, uh, using uh, Actors, right? So an actor is basically a coroutine that uh, uh, works uh, reading uh, some messages from its inbox channel and interacting with other actors. Uh, you also find really lightweight actor primitive in additional library that, again, if your problem at hand uh, is amendable uh, to actor style, to expressing it in actor style, then you can go ahead and use it. So it's it's really flexible in, in the sense that you can with Kotlin you can express virtually any asynchronous programming paradigm just as a library. If you're using Kotlin or planning to, make sure you check out KotlinConf, a conference taking place in sunny San Francisco on the second and third of November two thousand seventeen. It's a two-day event packed with Kotlin content by industry experts, with keynotes from Andre Breslav and Eric Meyer. So whether it's back-end, front-end, mobile, or native, Kotlin Conf is the place to be this year. That's KotlinConf, C-O-N-F dot com. Hope to see you there. Okay. And looking through these libraries right now, the Kotlin X code routines, I see that there's like a core one, then there's JDK 8, there's NIO, Swing, Java, FX, Reactive, and then I see RX1 and RX2, which are utilities for working for, with RX. So here's a question. From one side, we're speaking about C-sharp model, where I have the async await, and you say that Kotlin is, is somewhat similar in that, in that we have like a suspend uh, point, and then we have these libraries that we've created on top where the async await are actually library calls. And then we have the other model of a synchronous program, which is RxJava, which we talked about pipelining calls and streams of data. So what is this Kotlin X coroutines for Rx? What is that trying to do? Uh, it's interesting that all the different synchronous programming styles out there, they're all equivalent in some way. I mean, for they're, they're better for, ones are better for one problem, others are better for another, but you can always convert between them. For example, if you have callbacks, you can always go to suspending functions or you can grab them as uh, as a kind of a future. And uh, what actually Kotlin's 
Coroutines uh, library does, it provides you this virus conversion operator. So if you say have uh, an Rx based stream of events and you want to work with this in imperative style, you just want, you know, write your code like uh, read a message, you know, do some processing, send it further like this imperative style of code, then you can do it by by taking this adapter library that's actually adapts uh, Rx to, you know, imperative style of writing things. Okay, so it's more about, in a sense, quote unquote, interop with with other models, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, on one side it's interop, but on the other side you see uh, the, the trick is there is no the solution to asynchronous programming question. You know, different styles of asynchronous programming exist there for a reason because uh, different problems are better expressed uh, different ways. For example, if you are for example, for many uh, kinds of application, Rx is a great answer to how uh, write your code. But for example, if you want to write a custom operator in Rx, uh, combine, say, you know, filter map and do something else, uh, it's uh, as soon as you open a guide in Rx on how to write your own operator, it's just mind blowing. You know, it's very complex. You have to write a lot of code to express even the simplest. Rx operator, but with, uh, for example, using uh, an adapter for, from uh, Kotlin X Caroutines, it's uh, even the most complex separators are expressed with few lines of code. So that way you can continue using, you know, Rx in your application, but if you in need of expressing some complex logic, you can always write it uh, in direct style using Caroutines. Okay, that makes sense. And one thing you talked about were threads. So when I have a application that has, you know, a, a call that's going to take a long time, as we commented, an, an easy solution is to well, let me fire this off in its own thread, and once it's done, I'll handle the results. And you said the coroutines are different to threads in that they're not taking up uh, resources as threads. Can you explain a little bit there the difference between what a threaded model provides and what coroutines provide yeah it's 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 interesting originally you know like when they were introduced uh, <laughs> many many years ago the threads were, were kind of seen as uh similar uh to to coroutines and actually the coroutines that they are implemented in kotlin are very similar to some solutions like of 30 years ago when people invented uh you know to handle basically the problem of asynchronous programming, like uh, writing software that interacts with um, many things at the same time. Uh, but, but back then there were no threads, so people were forced uh, to use coroutines. Then threads came, and people kind of, for a while, uh, mainstream, you know, coroutines became this fringe thing in certain languages, but was not really visible in mainstream, because again, threads and coroutines solve similar problems. So as soon as you got threads, you started solving problems with threads, and you kind of didn't need curtains that much. But the problem with threads is threads nowadays are pretty heavyweight. Uh, it's, uh, they would, uh, a typical thread would allocate like a couple of megabytes of uh, uh, memory uh, just for its stack. And uh, that's uh, just doesn't scale to uh, to very big sizes, uh, like it's okay if you have a hundred threads, you can have thousands of threads, but that's it. Uh, but in modern applications, especially if it's messaging constantly 
working is real time. You'd like to have sometimes, uh, you know, tens of thousands and more different activities handled at the same time. Take any backend system that uh, any server that has to handle lots of customer requests, etc. It just doesn't uh, it doesn't work as well with threads in terms of resources. What does coroutines bring to the table in terms of concurrency or parallelism? They uh, can be used to write uh, concurrent code and parallel code in a different fashion. So instead of uh, instead of like sharing your memory and uh, using uh, locks, you know, and uh, synchronize to uh, make sure to uh, synchronize access to all its state uh, with coroutines, you can uh, you can share stuff uh, between coroutines by communicating with them. You have channels uh, between coroutines, so instead of mutating a shared location, the coroutines would just send messages to each other, and that's uh, that's a different approach uh, to concurrent programming, which you couldn't really use without curtains before. Uh, like it, it, it was, it was way harder. Uh, again, because of the scale. Because when you start writing in this style, you want to have, uh, uh, you know, thousands, tens of thousands curtains, and you just, it just takes too much memory to have a separate thread for each one of them. So is coroutines the answer to Java 8's parallel streams from Kotlin? Uh, it's uh, not really an answer to parallel streams. Coroutines is more low level. Uh, the parallel streams is, is, is this high level concept that gives you all the out of the box, you know, sort me stuff, filter stuff into parallel. There is, we don't have things like that, uh, but we have uh, uh, mechanisms for expressing uh, general logic in a uh, nice compact way that's uh, that's that's scalable. So that's the, the, the difference. The streams in Java is somewhat competing with the racks, right? There's you have these collections and you do parallel processing. There's it's kind of a similar concept. You have uh, stream and you have lots of baked in operations, transformations, etc. That's uh, in a synchronous world that what Rix does. But coroutines are, are better at expressing like arbitrary logic, like arbitrary data processing pipelines, where every step is not readily expressed as uh, some some readily available operation. So, in essence, there is like what I could do with a Java eight um, stream that I could say, you know, process this in parallel, similar to the to the C-sharp task library that allows uh, parallel processing. Is there anything in coroutines that would allow me to do this, even if it was a high-level abstraction that were to be supplied as a, as a library? Yes, in coroutines, you can, uh, you can launch, uh, launch multiple coroutines to do work in parallel. Uh, it, it's all there. Uh, and uh, for certain tasks, especially uh, like uh, when the tasks uh, are large range, like you have this, you know, bunch of uh, different, um, send you have to have, you have this send email operation that's asynchronous, you want to have, uh, you want to be sending hundreds email in parallel. That's, these kind of things are easy to do with coroutines because you can just fire a hundred uh, coroutines and each 
one of them uh, does uh, send email, and with Cardians it's cheap, like it's not, you can fire a thousand of them, not a big deal. As a user of uh, coroutines in Kotlin, what would you say is the, because when I come to the Kotlin X coroutines and I see all of these different uh, libraries or modules, which is the one that I would probably be using the most? Would I mean, I guess it does depend a little bit on on what I'm doing, but there is a core library, which I assume that that is something that you would mostly use. But then I see a JDK 8. So is that for when I'm just working with JDK 8 libraries? Yeah, JDK 8 library is mostly for interop uh, with uh, some... Uh, you see in Java, they've added uh, um, some async uh, functionality only uh, only recently. So only recently they've introduced completable future, which is this kind of Java answer to asynchronous programming. So you can do um, some asynchronous operation and then, then do something else, then do something else in this functional style through completable future. So you have a bunch of Java libraries uh, that are written uh, with completable future, there's a return completable future, or they uh, expect completable future as their input. So to interrupt with these libraries, because you have to supply completable future to them, or you have to somehow consume completable future for them. That's that's what actual GDK module does. Lets you interrupt with those uh, those Java libraries. If you don't have those, you actually don't need GDK module. You can safely use Core. And Kotlin coroutines was recently released with Kotlin 1.1. And I know that there is a flag that marks them as experimental. And if you're using it in the IDE, you get that little highlighting that this feature is experimental. Why exactly was this marked as experimental? Uh, the reason is that um, Kotlin coroutines is, uh, is based on design that we think is great but it has not yet been proven uh i mean it's 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 even though you can do things similar to c sharps to similar to dart similar to javascript in kotlin cartoons the design itself is as well discussed different in many aspects and it's unlike any other language out there so there's not much experience uh writing libraries uh with this design uh so we decided that we should not be keeping this to ourselves, experimented uh, in-house, but we would rather open it to public, let uh, the world try it out, um, write their code uh, with Kotlin coroutines, give us feedback, and that's that's that will be our battle testing the coroutines uh, before we can actually uh, decide that our design is final. And uh, we actually plan in some future moment, you know, to tweak it a little bit based on the feedback and remove the experimental uh, flag and uh, experimental package. Uh, it doesn't mean we're, we'll be breaking uh, backward compatibility. Uh, on the contrary, the way it's released right now ensures that we'll be able to support the code that you're writing right now uh, in the future because when we'll, we'll be changing will be changing package uh, in our final design and will provide a virtual library so all your old code continues to work. Well, I was going to ask that because, I mean, we had kind of a similar situation when Kotlin was going through the different milestones and I very 
well remember that if there was a breaking change even in terms of a library call or something in the in the language there was like a phased commit sorry a phased a stage whereby we would raise a warning and then you could offer a quick fix inside the IDE to say you know migrate your code to this and i'm guessing that in this situation something similar would be provided right yeah that's the plan and you know compatibility is very important for Kotlin because Kotlin was designed for a large scale software like uh, so in here in JetBrains is being used for some of the largest uh, products that have been developed in JetBrains and for every large scale software development being backwards compatible and, and making sure your old code still works is very very important so then as a user that I see this experimental what what should I think should I be scared should I be put off or can I safely just use this knowing that even if something does change that the Kotlin team will provide me a, a path to upgrade or migrate you can and you should safely use it and we will uh, provide it not just a path to upgrade we will provide a way uh, to be able to, even when we change design, the, you know, the old style, these experimental cartoons will still be supported. Uh, so you will not be stuck with some old code that doesn't work anymore. Okay. Right. Well, that's a lot of information. And where does someone get started? I mean, someone, especially someone that is completely new to coroutines, they might have done some kind of asynchronous programming, whether it's with Rx or with a sync await or with callbacks. What is the best place for someone to get started with this? Uh, I think the best place would be uh, reading uh, a couple of tutorials that are on Kotlin uh, website that explain just step-by-step -step basics of how you set it up and write some some simple pieces of code. Uh, if you want a real deeper uh, understanding what's what's available is there, what different asynchronous programming partners out there, uh, what can you really do with cartoons, I really suggest reading uh, the uh, guide to Kotlin X cartoons that's that's on the there on the project side. It gives it contains lots of uh, examples of uh, cool things you can do with cartoons. Put the links on the show notes with all of these guides that you mentioned. Well, Roman, thank you very much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And I know that after your work with coroutines is more or less done, you're onto some other exciting things, right? Oh yeah, there is lots of exciting things here in Kotlin world. I mean, yeah. it's really a really exciting project. Cool, and I'm sure that hopefully we'll have you back to speak on those things in the future. Definitely.